Hey people, what's going on? This is True News 365. Uh, thanks for joining me once again. Today I want to talk about Romans 7. Romans 7, really big and important uh, part of scripture. In this, um, and um, it uh, has speaks so much uh, concerning the Christian faith, the life in Christ, the life of the flesh, the life of the spirit, and... Um, yeah, so let me get into it, uh, and I recommend that uh, we open up our Bibles. This this is a Bible study. Uh, let's go through this word for word, verse by verse. Let's try to dissect as much as we can from this. Um, yeah, and so let's get right into it. Okay, first of all, Paul speaks of two natures. He speaks of... Uh, he speaks of... Let me see here. Yeah, he, he speaks of um, two natures, but when he says you're no longer of the flesh, he means we're no longer to be walking or being of the mind of the flesh. And he makes this distinction because we were formerly not of this dual nature. Okay, the nature of the spirit is now new to us. As before, we were only flesh. Before Christ, we were only flesh, but now... We're of the spirit. And this doesn't mean that the flesh is gone. Okay. This doesn't mean that now we don't have to deal with the flesh. We know it's not because the focus is to be living in the spirit, not the flesh. Okay. So when he says you're no longer in the flesh, it means now you're no longer to be of the flesh nature as a manner of living, but of the new nature which you didn't have before, but now have. Okay, so then be of the Spirit. He's referring to a lifestyle because all over the text, what you see is mobility. You see progression. It's it's a progression language. Okay, uh, let's read through the chapter first. Okay, let's read. Let me pull up the chapter. Uh-huh. Let's see, Romans 7. Romans 7. Let's read really quickly through the chapter because it's extremely important. And then we can uh, dissect it verse by verse. Okay. Romans 7, the word of the Lord. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by law to her husband whilst he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him, who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. 
What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to be to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it and through it killed me. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the thing that I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in the flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do, I not do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I enjoy, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Uh, okay, so yeah. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that I was reading from the uh, NASB. Okay, I should have warned you beforehand. Okay, um, but hopefully you can uh, pause this and go back and we can read from the same translation um, to get a more full study out of this, okay, to be on the same page. So um, Paul relates the law of sin to, the, to, to that of the law of marriage to demonstrate that the only thing that will separate us from the law is death. Okay? In verse 4, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. In other words, he died, you died, he resurrected, you get resurrected, okay? It's as if we were allowed to cling on to him while he died and resurrected and 
were allowed to hitch a ride with him through his symbolically and, and spiritually. Okay? Um, we follow him along his process of death, burial, and resurrection. But in verse 6, but now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were constrained. In other words, without Christ, we could do nothing for ourselves. We were trapped in only the walk of the flesh. We were doomed to just die in our flesh with our sins, but because we were allowed to go through that transition with him, we have been released from the law which constrained us to that sin. So that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Right? So it's now it's by the spirit, not by the letter of the law. Right? Serving, which means good works, in the spirit and not in the fulfilling of the written law. The works that count for us are spiritual works by faith, which are our sacrifices to God. As it is written, without faith it is impossible to please God. Also, the Bible says, without me you can do nothing in John chapter 15, speaking of spiritual fruit. Okay, So Paul says in verse 7, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, the law being a schoolmaster to demonstrate to us who we are, what our condition is before God. Okay? For apart from the law, sin is dead. In other words, sin isn't sin unless God establishes the law against him. And without it, there's no penalty for it. If I'm a lawmaker, right, as God is, and I determine TikTok is now forbidden for everyone, because let's say it's outside of my nature, it doesn't reflect me, therefore, uh, you know, I, I banned it, okay? And, and I'm a lawmaker, let's, for, for example. Now, anyone who logs on to TikTok and who uses TikTok is under that law and penalty. The penalty is you have to uh, eat dirt or whatever, okay? So, um, so, so if you look at verse 12, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The law is good because it comes from God who is holy and good. In verse 13, we see, therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin. The law became a consequence for the sin committed. The sin is the bad thing, not the law. So then God's law isn't what is bad. What's bad is the sin that makes you break the law. So, and, and, and of which the law exposes. So we shouldn't look at the law as though it's a bad thing because it's there to demonstrate to us what is inside of us. Okay, without the law, you wouldn't recognize your, your, your condition, your sinful condition before God. If you notice, that's exactly what, what evil people do. They blame the law, but excuse the sin. Isn't that what we see today all around us? That's the tendency of mankind. That's what we do. We move the goalpost. When the law is not what we like, we change it, we water it down, we make excuses for it, we rewrite it. Okay, let's look at verse 14. Or we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly. In other words, the law is spiritual, 
because it was given by God and it resembles his character. But I am sold into bondage under sin, as is anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Okay? For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Okay, this here, I have to make a note, this demonstrates the dual nature which Paul admits to himself, having as an example of all men. He's not saying past tense, but present tense. Okay? Again, he's he's not talking about, this is the way I, I used to be. He's talking, listen to the language. He's, he's, he's talking present tense. This is universal language, as in inclusion to everyone. He's not saying this is what I experience or how I used to be. This is the way it is, okay? Especially since he puts himself into the example, because he could have spoken of men in general, but he's putting himself into this description of the one who is saved. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not want, I agree with the law, that is good, okay? We know that the law is good because we're doing what we don't want to do. But if anyone keeps the law, they would be considered holy and righteous and worth praising. This we know. So the problem isn't the law. Okay, verse 17. So now no longer am I the one working it out, or, or rather as in performing it, but sin which dwells in me. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Uh, so again, if you notice... This is the example of a regenerated heart because the heart before the spirit is indifferent to the law. It doesn't want to do good. It can't do good. Okay? Remember in John 15, unless you abide in me, people outside of Christ do not abide in, abide in him. So they can't do good work. Right? So this isn't speaking of someone outside of God's grace. Again, of which Paul is speaking and using himself as an example. There are those that say that because Paul was a Pharisee, that he wanted to do the law. He was zealous for the law. That's what they say. But this isn't the testimony of the New Testament concerning the Pharisees and the religionists of those days. Jesus constantly re rebuked the Pharisees and he called them hypocrites. He called them out for perverting the law, making provisions not to keep the law, creating laws to cover themselves for keeping the law. Okay? He spoke to them about them not keeping the heart of the law. They said, oh, they didn't murder, but they, yet they hated, okay? They didn't uh, commit adultery, but they lusted, okay? This, this is obvious. Not only that, but Paul was speaking to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. So he wouldn't be referring to people who were, who were even trying to follow the Mosaic law. So then it wasn't him trying to relate to people by way of the Mosaic law. He was speaking to Gentiles in Romans 7. People who were outcast with regard to God outside of the commonwealth of Israel, these were Gentiles. So he's not going to try to relate to them as a as a, a uh, as people trying to keep the Mosaic law. Okay, he's speaking in general. So if we go back to verse seventeen, so now no longer am I the one working it out or performing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is, in my flesh. Uh, um, uh, operative, the operative combination of words here is nothing good dwells in me. Sin is on the inside of us, and there's nothing good in our flesh. 
for the willing is present in me, but the working out of the good is not. Okay. We want to do what is good, but the ability to do it in the flesh isn't there. The desire to do good is there, but the flesh is in the way which contains sin. He wants to do good, but he can't and doesn't want to do bad, but does because of sin. Let me just check my time. Okay. Oh, where'd I go? Okay. Um, let's look at verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one working it out, but sin which dwells in me. Again, it's the sin on the inside which takes control. But it's not like we can blame it on the sin that's on the inside overtaking us, because later on he says that we can't mitigate this by grace and faith and by walking in the Spirit, having now a new nature of the Spirit. Verse 23, But I see a different law in my members, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a captive to the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So what we have here is two natures. And the question is, by what nature are we going to govern our lives? What are we going to make the basis of our routine in life? How are we going to conduct ourselves in the world, the pattern of our walk in life? Are we going to do that spiritually or fleshly? Now, notice how immediately after chapter 7, we move right into chapter 8, and we know that you know the chapters and the verses uh, were in the original text um, uh, not separated. Okay, So this is a continuous flow into chapter 8. The chapter begins with this, um, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 is a kicker. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay? For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, God did sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I'm going to repeat verse 4 one more time for emphasis, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the, the Spirit. Verse 4 here is extremely important. It says that God fulfilled that righteous requirement of the law, which we can't keep as long as we're walking in the Spirit. Okay? As long as, as long as we're walking in the Spirit, by faith, God fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. As long as we're walking in the Spirit, and we can only do that in Christ by way of being His children and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, as long as we're walking in the Spirit, that righteous requirement is fulfilled. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Right? So by faith, the Lord covered that for us by His grace. Right? So it, whether we fall, uh, whether we, 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 we know we have to keep that, we would, in, the, in, the, in the law, we would have to keep it perfectly right? And no one could keep it perfectly. You mess up in one, you mess up in all. It was impossible to do. But here, by God's grace, he covers you. 
he covers you, right? And he and he did it fulfilledly because he lived it. He was able to do it. So his 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 grace was not a covering as even it was in the Old Testament law. He eradicated it. He fulfilled it. He finished it. He completed it. You see, it's so it's different in that it's not a covering for us. We're no longer guilty. We're no longer guilty, as it says in the top of the chapter. Now, no, you're no longer condemned. You see, it's um, it's a mentality. The life is a mentality. It's a discipline, a new way of thinking and living. This is completely governed by one's faith. Consider the saying, mind mind over matter, uh, as, as a man thinks, that's so, so he is. Unless we change our thinking, we can't discipline ourselves to perform. Our behavior will be term- determined by our disciplines and our disciplines by our faith. So therefore, believe. Okay? Um, uh, verse 7, because the mind is set on the flesh and is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God, as in without me you can do nothing. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If, if, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. 12. So then, brothers, we are under no obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if if by the Spirit you are putting to death, get it, putting to death, putting to death, the practices of the body you will live. For as many as being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, hope, 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 hope for all those who believe. And all of this is through faith in what God has done through Christ by dying on behalf of what of, of that evil that is in us, our flesh. However, nowhere here will you see that the flesh is no more, despite what many people want to try and teach, simply because there is there's now only spirit. Then what's the language of progression for? Okay? Why is there the language of dual nature with the exhortation to live according to the Spirit? If there was just all Spirit, then the flow of the language wouldn't go this way. The idea of pressing on, walking as a course of life, as in putting to death, all of that that language wouldn't be in there. Verse 13 says, if you are living according to the flesh, you're not saved. No, instead it says, putting the death, the deeds of the body, which signifies progression, putting to death. That's progressive. Okay. Um, So yeah, because uh, it's important to understand that Romans 7 is talking, Paul is describing the life of the Christian, the walk in sanctification, the progressive walk. Sanctification is a progressive thing as you come in and a renewal of the mind, recognizing that, wait a minute, Christ died for this sin right? He died. He for, he forgave me. And by faith, I'm justified. So I'm not uh, obligated to live under this sin anymore. The, the, the prison door is open. I'm no longer needing to continue sinning because I have forgiveness now. 
the person who's damned will say perhaps, oh, might as well live it up if we're all going to die. There's no God. You know, might as well, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, right? That would be the the nihilistic attitude. But for the person who's who recognizes now that they believe in Christ and they're in Christ and they have their Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, um, continuing on in sin makes no sense. You know, because of so much forgiveness, the 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 more you're forgiven, the more you love. And we love him because he loved us first, right? That is the language. So to say that um, that we can live dual natures is is um, is contradicting, is completely t- contradicting. With so much grace, uh, we have to recognize uh, the love of God in our lives and the power, understanding this, the power of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message that comes into your brain, flowing through your heart, and um, affecting your whole walk and your whole life. Okay. That's what it's all about. Okay. So yeah. So, uh, that's Romans seven. Uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, if you want to keep the conversation going, send me a lesson. The link is on the podcast in the show notes and, uh, absolutely let's, uh, praise God together. And we thank God for what he's done for us. He's blessed us highly. Seek his face every day until next time. God bless. All right, you're listening to True News 365, a podcast, blog, cultural commentary, and Christian ministry set out to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, to reach out to those who will have ears to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit. Check out truenews365.com for updates on blogs, videos, and more podcasts. And don't forget to share if you care. Until next time, God bless.